Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. An Elio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. It's Rebecca. Welcome to The Aftermath, where you tell us if we sent the right person or thing to the alarmist jail. With us today are producer Amanda Lund and fact checker Chris Smith. Here to serve. Hey, guys. Me too. And today we're going to be talking with a Black Sox scandal expert to see if he agrees with our verdict. He's MLB historian and author of The Betrayal, the 1919 World Series, and the birth of modern baseball, Charles Fountain. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. What do you think, Chris? The guy about his name? Yeah. (laughs) Do you like his name and are you excited to speak to him? I always like to speak to, I always like to hear any, anybody who knows a lot about baseball. I like to hear them talk. Mm, me too. I love talking about baseball. I've had a crush on every single one of our guest experts so far. <laughs> I got to tell you, the guy who talked about Chernobyl was, yes. I would have listened to that, yeah. that deep, resonant, intelligent, mm-hmm. sp- well-spoken voice for at least another 20 minutes. He also had a great sense of humor. <laughs> he did. And he was a legitimate hero. Yes. I was went down kind of a dark a web Google search about him. <laughs> was it the dark web or was no, it Google? It, it was the light web. It was just normal Google. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I could, I actually got really flustered after the fact. I was like, I knew that he worked at the hospital, but he was truly 
a hero. Yes. I mean, it's kind of a good thing that we all didn't realize we were talking to. <laughs> a, not, not an American hero, an international hero. Yeah, it was really cool to actually meet, you know, because especially with the proliferation of Marvel and the Marvel Universe expanding. Yes. And when fake heroes are so popular, That's it's nice right. to actually hear the voice of a real hero. Yeah. Understated, cool as a cucumber. And with the real life experience to, you know, to lead us to, um, you know, uh, a greater future, I guess. Well, I mean, let's hear what this MLB hero has to say. Hi, Charles. Hi, how are you, Rebecca? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. We have, you know, laid out who we think is to blame for the Black Sox scandal. But I just wanted to hear your expert opinion. Who do you think is to blame for the Black Sox scandal? Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you what I know, which is that, uh, you know, nobody really knows what happened uh, in that period of time. And uh, there's blame enough to go around. If I had to lay the blame on anyone's feet, I would lay it at the administration of Major League Baseball at that time. They had ignored uh, rumors and accusations and uh, complaints that ball games had been fixed for the better part of 20 years. Um, and, you know, it was in their best interest to ignore those because while rumors of impropriety weren't going to be very good for baseball. Proving those rumors to be true would have been very bad for baseball. So they right. stuck their head in the sand. And this could have been, um, you know, instead of a, you know, the major conflagration that it was, it could have been a small brush fire if they had uh, seized any one of about a dozen opportunities that they had in the 20 years leading up to the 1919 World Series. Well, we came uh, up with a, a very similar theory as well. We thought um, Comiskey and, and the owners and, and the, all of, you know, MLB was kind of to uh, blame. What can you tell us about the reserve clause? Because we felt like that had a big impact. Um, yeah, I mean, the reserve clause was the economic foundation of Major League Baseball from the 1880s when it was agreed to by the by the teams in the National League and the American Association before there even was what we know today as organized baseball. It was the foundation, the economic foundation from the 1880s through the um, 1970s when it was finally overturned and players could, um, you know, shop their services to the highest bidder. I think that, um, you know, certainly that had something to do with it. Wages were depressed. The White Sox salaries were no better nor worse than anybody else's in Major League Baseball. Um, but they were they were depressed across Major League Baseball that owners played the pay, paid the players what they wanted to because they could afford to. And the players had no option. They could not go to any other team. They could not go to any other league. They could not go to any other, um, you know, any any place and get paid for playing baseball. So they signed their contracts and they groused and complained about it and they looked to make uh, whatever extra money they could. And this was one of the ways that some of the more nefarious players over the years found a way to make a couple of uh, extra bucks. And we're really talking about a couple of extra bucks. We're talking, you know, on these fixed games that I was talking about leading up to 1919, players making, you know, a hundred, two hundred, five hundred dollars, fifty dollars. Uh, for these one-off, um, you know, games. And, uh, you know, that it, it, it 
they were they were they were tradesmen moonlighting uh trying to trying to make a little extra right so there was just this culture of gambling that was um prevalent would you say a lot of the players uh participated uh, participated in it i don't know to what degree the players participated in uh gambling that players very definitely wagered particularly in a big series they would wager uh against each other generally to win in other words i'll bet you 10 bucks our team's going to beat your team uh, that was very commonplace. So too was the betting in uh, the stands at major league ballparks amongst the gamblers. Um, and so too were these ubiquitous sort of uh, lotteries, run pools, where you'd pay a dime at the corner candy store or corner cigar store. And uh, depending on the number of runs that uh, you had in the pool and the number of runs that were scored in that given week, uh, you had a chance to, uh, you know, win some money. So there was uh, an awful lot of that kind of gambling going on in baseball at the time. And, uh, you know, it would not have been at all uncommon to, you know, discuss what the odds were in a game, who was betting on who. And uh, in at least one instance, the manager of the Giants, John McGraw, called his players out for not wanting to bet on their team in the World Series against the Philadelphia Athletics in the 1905-1906, somewhere in that window. Wow. So it wasn't the first time that players had even a bet on the World Series. No, players would would bet. Generally, they would, uh, you know, uh, bet on their team to win with players on the other team. There were instances where players would, um, you know, bet against their team because they had the belief that, uh, you know, their team was going to, uh, the fix was in on that particular game. Um, those are, um, they're, they're believable in the sense that people talked about them, but we don't have any instance. We can't, for example, point to this July 14th game in 1913 between two teams and say this was fixed. Um, you know, there have been allegations and uh, such, and I think it's reasonable to believe that there were fixed baseball games in that 20-year window. Um, but we can't point to any single game and say this one, this one was fixed. Including, by the way, the games in the 1919 World Series that, uh, you know, it's unclear whether or not the White Sox lost those games because uh, they were trying to lose them or whether they lost them because Cincinnati was a better team on those days. Uh, the evidence was just not there. Now, I, we didn't blame the players. Um, we thought it was uh, something that was bigger than just the players. But, you know, the, I, I think there were a few players who kind of did uh, their, their involvement in it was maybe a little unsportsmanlike, to say the least. Can you talk about these players? The players don't do not get a pass on this. That the players that were uh, indicted, tried, and ultimately thrown out of baseball by Judge Landis were guilty of every one of the crimes for which they were thrown out of baseball. They accepted the gamblers' money. They uh, were aware of a conspiracy to throw the series, and they did not report that conspiracy to throw the series, even the players that did not take money, Buck Weaver, for example. So all of the players are you know, guilty of that complicity of being involved in uh, that conspiracy. And um, 
they there's something of a sympathetic figure uh, historically because they were underpaid. Uh, this was a fairly common conversation that games were fixed. So the players were probably doing something that they figured other people had done uh, to the degree that other people had done it. They may not have been sure, but they were convinced that other people had done it. Uh, but, uh, you know, the players don't get a pass on this. Some are more sympathetic than others, uh, but that's generally after the fact they get a little more sympathy. Uh, but they were all very much guilty of what they were thrown out of baseball for. Yeah, I, for us, Chick Gandil seemed, uh, as the person who kind of was the ringleader, seemed a little bit more guilty than uh, some of the other more sympathetic players like, you know, the Eddie Seacott, which I, I think also he's an interesting one because it seemed like he was very guilty, but still he was very sympathetic. Seacott had um, the greatest remorse, I think, of any of the players, that I think he was also um, most acutely aware of the sense of betrayal that uh, those players had inflicted upon the game and particularly the game's fans. And uh, I think in that way, it makes him uh, one of the most interesting figures in this whole thing. Uh, Chick Gandil is a thoroughly unlikable individual, that he was unlikable as a player well before this. Uh, he was an unlikable when all of the uh, news stories on this sort of started to break. He was unlikable after that, and in his uh, one attempt to uh, justify this and talk about this in a Sports Illustrated article in the 1950s, he comes off as a very unlikable figure. So he he was very much at the center of it, so he's easy to uh, paint as the principal villain in that regard, and his personality is also one that makes it easy for um you know, him to be uh, the guy that everybody loves to pin it on. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the Buck Weavers and the Joe Jacksons, they, they felt very sympathetic to us. Buck Weaver was not guilty of anything other than knowing uh, what was going on and refusing to rat out his fellow players. Um, that, you know, that's, that's pretty clear from all of the evidence. Um, Joe Jackson was guilty of accepting the money. He was uh, guilty of not reporting uh, the action, even though there's uh, a report that he tried to after the series was over. He did nothing to lose the World Series. I mean, his statistics were, um, you know, they were they were a World Series standard for years thereafter in terms of batting average and total number of hits and um, so forth. Um, his critics will point out that he got none of those hits at critical moments. Uh, but that's a little, um, you know, specious an argument, I think, that uh, baseball players can't turn it on, can't get hit at this at-bat because they want to, and mm. not at the next at-bat because they don't. Uh, there's mm -hmm. no player who ever lived with that skill. So, and just one final uh, question. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, Astro scandal at the moment. Uh, that, I think, is the, uh, you know, at the moment, the, um, you know, scandal of the 21st century to rival the Black Sox scandal of the 20th century. Um, it would seem as though 
for a variety of reasons, the players are going to come away from this relatively unscathed. Their reputations are going to be damaged, but their careers are not going to be harmed. I think if you turn back the clock on this scandal a hundred years, you would find the commissioner of baseball probably suspending a whole lot of players on the Houston Astros uh, for a long time or forever. And if you fast forwarded the clock on what the Black Sox did in 1919 to 2020, that uh, the strength of the Major League Baseball Players Association and uh, the, uh, the fact that these players would have very good lawyers from a very early hour would probably mean that the players would come away with their reputations damaged, but their careers would continue. Wow. That's, I mean, yes, that's fascinating. Um, and, and, and finally, before you go, please tell us where we can find you and where we can purchase your book, The Betrayal, the 1919 World Series and the Birth of Modern Baseball. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on any online bookseller. And uh, you can buy it through my website at charlesfountain.com. Well, thank you so much, Charles. It's been uh, wonderful talking to you. And I'm glad that uh, we ultimately agreed. <laughs> well, uh, that I, I look forward to hearing the, uh, the show in its final form. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
I found that talking to Charles was absolutely interesting. Okay. Are um, we pretending that we listened to, because we didn't hear that conversation, me and Amanda. Yeah. It, was, it was on headphones, so we couldn't hear it. Yeah. But, but we're we'll going to listen to it later. We're, pretend, we're, we're pretending. <laughs> and like I've said before, this doesn't get edited. I know. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> Chris is I'm, really forcing the edit. <laughs> I'm, I know. I don't want you to edit this, because I want people to know that I did not hear that conversation. Chris, it's podcast magic. No, it's not. It's <laughs> Oh, boy we, people want to see how the magic is made you know i think i will edit this episode i think i'll edit you out yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well deserved um he really put the blame on uh the league and um the administration um which is similar to because at the time you know the owners were kind of the administration they were all they were essentially running they ran the show uh, they ran the show um so i think you know, I, I feel good. Yeah. I, it's it's not really changing my verdict per se. Um, I thought what what was fascinating about what he said was how he connected the Astros um, scandal. He said that if we uh, reversed and rewinded to 1919, this would be the same. The size of the scandal of 1919 would be the same as the the Astros. Oh, oh really? Oh. Yes. Because I would have thought it would be way bigger back no. in 1919. Well, he thinks that if 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 the Astros scandal happened in 1919, all of these players would have been uh, booted, uh, booed, booted from the league because the strength of the MLB players, they wouldn't have had the good lawyers that they have and the oh, power that they have. Gotcha. You know, right now they're, they're protected, by the, they're protected by the union. But back then they would have just been by by. And he thinks had this Black Sox scandal happened in 2020 or 2019 when the Astros nobody uh, would have been kicked out. Nobody would have been kicked out. Strength of a union. Interesting. Um, so very interesting. Yeah. Wow, that kind of puts a, it into perspective a little bit. Definitely. Yeah, it kind of blows your mind. Well, now that that's figured out, um, I think that we should transition and talk about some of our listener uh, comments and emails. Okay. And not just emails, you guys, because we got a voicemail. Voice Play it, Amanda. Okay. So I'm so excited. And just for every, everyone, when you're going to hear this, you're going to be so jealous. It's not your voice. So if you want to leave us a voicemail, call 844 844- Three seven zero eight six four three. That's eight four four three seven zero eight six four three. Okay, let's hear this voicemail. This is a message for the alarmist. Uh, the name's Pablo. I'm from the United Kingdom. Uh, just in regards to the whole Megxit aspect, um, there was a mention of Danny Baker, um, who worked for the BBC at the time, and his post that he put on Twitter, which was a very misjudged post on his part, uh, which was essentially uh, a couple taking a monkey out of hospital. Um, Although, to be fair to him, his comment was specific in regards to the royal family. And his point was that, you know, here's another child of the royal family and we don't care. he, he did not specifically intend a racial uh, angle to it, and he was very apologetic once that was pointed out to him. Although, as I say, admittedly, it was a stupid thing to do on his part, and it was very ignorant to do that. But um, to his credit, I will say he 
is kind of a stalwart of the BBC and uh, is in no way a racist. And I think uh, this taken out of isolation makes him seem a lot worse than he was. Um, but on the whole Megxit angle, the one person that you did not mention in any way, shape or form who is a massive contributor to the problem is a certain Mr. Piers Morgan, um, a person who is a, a member of my country and who I would very much wish was not. Um, I know you had him for a little bit, but you sent him over here um, back with his tail between his legs. If you want to take him back, um, that'd be great. Uh, otherwise, uh, that's it. Um, love the show. Please do more. Um, love it, love it. At Pablo Bonzo on Twitter. Toodles. <laughs> he even got a plug in there. I know. I love that. I, I love, love him. I mean, he. Uh, I, first of all, we got a Brit. We got a brick calling in. Amazing. Long distance I, phone call. It's more expensive. I mean, it is a toll free <laughs> number. It's a toll free number, That's Chris. Why. Need I remind you? Yes. Just, yeah. Uh, okay. I so, don't know if that uh, if toll free. We'll is... see if it shows up on the bill. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting. Well, okay. So I I think that what he's saying is that maybe that man's post was out of taken out of context, and context is important. So. That's true. Uh, I, I think his his beef a little bit was that it made him sound more racist uh, than maybe he he thought that uh, he was. He did call him ignorant. Um, I do agree. It was an ignorant thing to do. It was, uh, you know, you're a member of the media, the BBC. It's a, an important organization. You have to be aware of 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 what these uh, what you're putting out there. The other the, the the other thing I thought was uh, Piers Morgan, which we actually had in the original write up. We just forgot to sort of throw him in there. We ran out of time. But right, that's Piers interesting. A, yeah, I'm glad he brought that up. Yeah, me too. He's just like a troll, basically. He's just like any sort of like divisive cultural subject. He just like he's just all over it. He's just all about sort of negative press and just. Uh, infuriating the libs or whatever so that guy sucks yeah and it sounds like he he himself had a personal feud with uh the megan and and prince uh prince harry situation um it seems like he was particularly aggressive toward the two of them um you know what i loved about pablo's uh voicemail is that pablo or pablo oh i i don't know (laughs) i'm assuming it was Pablo. Pablo? You think it's Popo? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Pablo. Okay, but fine. We'll I, what Pablo. I liked about his, just like British people have this way of speaking that they can be so, they sound so fair and balanced, <laughs> don't they? He was That's sort of true. levying judgment, you know, but wanted to be fair, but also condemned the action of the tweet, but wanted to be fair at the same time and sort of did somehow manage to convey that with the tone and sort of the word that he chose so good on you yeah thank you he was very politically they're very uh i i wouldn't say politically correct um just uh i i guess charming in the way they speak that they might be making fun of you but you might not even notice is that what you're saying (laughs) it wasn't really what i was saying but uh another truth another truth totally (laughs) should we do one more quick uh, email. Okay, so I want to talk about this email we got from a listener named Stefan Ammons. I I, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, But he wrote in and he had a lot of nice things to say about the podcast. He's a big fan. Um, But he also had uh, something that really bothered him a little bit. I wouldn't say really bothered him, just kind of 
irked him. Um, and he writes, I know that you all are not historians and I'm not one to consider myself sensitive, but so far there has been only one moment that really made me sad. And this happened so long ago, but like I said, I'm binge listening at the moment. Having heard a more serious description of the lady and the story behind the McDonald's coffee incident, I understood her to be a vital, hardworking, and active woman for her age. She'd been saving and was about to enjoy an active life of retirement near her family, which kind of all fell apart physically and financially after the incident. Someone, I don't think it was you specifically, uh, assumed she was working so long into her years uh, because she was poor. The words not someone with means and poverty were used. Even if she was poor, uh, why would she be splurging on coffee from a fast food joint? People think uh, people drink coffee just because, and some people work because they like their job, and I think that it was just a necessary and unrelated time to bring up money in class. I think that the event uh, as something that could have happened to anyone. So not sure why this struck a chord with me. Uh, he goes on, uh, and he, he he's still a big fan. He signed it with love. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, – we appreciate that feedback. Yeah, I think that's, you know, absolutely – Fair. And totally. I don't know who said that. It but, could have been me. I don't think it was. <laughs> uh, but know. whoever it was gets the big slap. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to give ourselves the little slap. Yeah, yeah that's a little slap. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, we want to make sure that everyone's uh, thoughts and opinions are and feelings are heard. So thank you so much, Steph. Stefan or Stefan? Unclear. <laughs> but thank you so much for writing in. Now, I want, also want to give a shout out to a, a, a special listener who has been um, really vocal ever since uh, the Henry uh, VIII and Boleyn episode. Now, he believes that Henry VIII is to blame for every tragedy, and he's been making a point uh, since that episode uh, to to plead his case. Now, he, these are some of his remarks regarding the Salem witch trials. His uh, Pete Thomas says, uh, and Puritanism was a splinter group of the Church of England, and therefore some of the blame could lie with Henry VIII. Hmm. So he, he linked uh, the witch trials to Henry VIII. Sure. Interesting. Okay. Pete Thomas goes on. Uh, for the gender reveal episode, he says, divorcing one wife for having a girl and beheaded another uh, who did the same, just saying, Henry VIII invented acting poorly from gender reveals. So <laughs> that's not, that is pretty good, actually. I, I gotta tip my hat to him for so, that one. That one's solid. This I, is I, so I, creative. <laughs> are, are we gonna blame Henry VIII for gender reveals now? I kind of want to. <laughs> Are you changing your verdict? <laughs> that one almost got me. But he he goes on. Regarding- we should, you know what? We should have a system where somebody in the alarmist jail can write a, a file for an appeal. An appeal. <laughs> <laughs> so so they can write in and file for an appeal, and then we can relitigate the case. Yes, that's amazing. Um, so he chimes in about the Home Alone tragedy. He says that. Um, uh, not enough blaming of Henry VIII. His lavish holiday spending, no doubt, had a deep influence on both the parents and the uh, wet bandits. So he links an article about Henry VIII, uh, who spent almost his entire year's tax revenue celebrating Christmas in the first year of his reign. Um, so that's pretty scandalous. 
Um, and he also says, he says the Burr-Hamilton duel could be blamed on Henry VIII. Okay, okay. I'm about, I'm about over this. <laughs> Let's hear it. He says, yes, of course I googled Henry VIII duels, and yes, a man known for murdering his opponents and wives was also obsessed with jousting duels to prove his manhood. Chris, stop fumbling over there. I'm sorry. I pick up all of that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you are, Chris is out of control you're gonna today. Be, you're going to be sent to the alarmist jail. It's like he thinks it's an aftermath episode so he can act all wild <laughs> We're well recording. this is what you get what are the fact checkers in aftermath i like, just want everyone to know vacation that time. he took his shoes off and he's laying down <laughs> with his laptop on on his stomach there isn't a lot of fact checking to do during the aftermath episode so i'm kind of like chilling out leave it's me alone really crazy so <laughs> um who uh do do we think that uh this changes any of of the of the verdicts no but i love this listener they're my new favorite listener and i want them to keep going with this yes i after every episode please write in with how you think henry the (laughs) eighth is responsible pete thomas for the win um so we've we've had a lot of um really good input um these past weeks and i want to uh continue to encourage you guys to email us with all of your recommendations especially in the international tragedy front we do want to get one tragedy at least one tragedy multiple tragedies for every continent in the world uh we had some listeners chime in about uh some antarctica tragedies which i love there was some australian listeners who reached out and um you know uh, we have uh, the next episode that we're doing uh, was actually inspired by a Japanese American uh, listener who who wrote in and um, had some thought, wanted us to cover the um, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings. So we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Yep, let's do it. I think that is a very that would be a very good alarmist episode. Yeah, I think so too. And before we wrap up, I just want to say we've been getting some great ratings and reviews, and I want to let you guys know that y- you taking the time to rate and review helps the alarmist climb the charts. I don't know how, I don't know why, but that's what they tell me. (laughs) So it really means a lot. We put so much work into these episodes. Rebecca does tons of research. Um, We have an assistant, Malin. Shout out to Malin. She's helping us us with these guest experts. So the way that you can pay us back, because we're now giving you, trying to give you two episodes a week, and that's instead of, starting a patreon or something so we're really this is us giving you tons of free content and what you can do for us is to tell people about the podcast to rate and review and i will read some uh five stars on apple podcasts moses dupree says rebecca needs to teach history if she was my high school history teacher i would have majored in history in college oh well you know that that actually makes me think the reason i got so interested in history was because of my high school a history teacher. He taught history like it was Us Weekly. And uh, that really got me invested in all of these different um, tragedies. <laughs> what was his name? His name was Mr. Lutness. Shout out to Mr. Lutness at, at New World School of the Arts. Um, so in a, in a way, Moses, I am teaching history. <laughs> and if you have any uh, connection to high schools, please uh, let these high school teachers share this podcast with their students. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> 
Um, so thank you so much for all of your thoughts. And, and uh, thank you so much to Charles Fountain. And you know what? Thank you, Amanda. And a little thank you to Chris. Uh, as long as I'm not getting the little slap, that's fine. Oh, you're definitely getting the little Maybe slap you're getting today. a little pinch. <laughs> <laughs> so again, remember to tune in next week. We'll be talking about mad cow disease. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.